hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is what she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I'd already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document Hello everyone, my name is Kaylin Otto and you are listening to The Unruly Podcast. I am so glad to have you back for another episode and if this is your first time listening, welcome. And what's what's that you say? <laughs> you like my new podcast art? <laughs> Thank you so much. I had an amazing photo shoot with my really good friend Daniel Turbert who is this incredibly skilled photographer, and it inspired me to create some new podcast cover art, so please take a second to check that out, and a new podcast intro that is going to be shorter and crisper and more to the point is coming soon, so I'm very excited to make some upgrades to the Unruly podcast. I just wanted to remind y'all that today's conversation is just one part of a larger series of a larger part of my blog at unrulytravel.com called Unruly Gender and Sexuality, but I need your help building this portion of the blog up. I want to know what questions you have about gender and sexuality. So to leave me those questions, I want you to go to the link in the show notes and you'll see the phrase, hot they summer. Click on the link there and it will take you to one of my recent Instagram posts. And on that post, that's where I want you to leave your questions. Maybe you are curious about queer travel. Maybe you're like, what the heck is the deal with pronouns? You want to hear about trans travel. I want to answer the questions that you have and I won't be answering them all myself. I will also be interviewing other queer travelers and educators and having some incredible guest writers come onto my blog to answer these questions that I can't answer. Our sponsor for today's episode is Rome Rhino, and if you frequently listen to the podcast, you know that I've talked about them before, and after doing so, I was so delighted that so many of you went on and created profiles, but now I am challenging you to get back on the app and post to it. I want to see what you've been up to, where you've been, your favorite travel destinations, all of the things. Now, for those of you who haven't heard about Rhino before, I'm going to fill you in. Rhino is a new social travel app that enables people to share and discover travel experiences all over the world. They're different from other apps because they're focused on inclusion in the travel space and they believe in honoring the identities that contribute to who we are and impact how we travel. On Rhino, you can explore travel experiences in different destinations posted by communities like the API community or the queer community. Holla! (laughs) 
I am personally a big fan of their mission and how they are talking about travel, especially in this digital age. So you can download the Rome Rhino app on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store, and I will leave a link for you to do so in the show notes. All right, Courtney, welcome to the Unruly Podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation. In all transparency, Courtney and I have tried to do this. We did it once, and the audio didn't work, and I feel like our conversation just wasn't meant to be published. And then the second time, we were just like, I'm too tired. (laughs) So (laughs) let's make some magic with the third one. Uh, Can you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about you, what your blog's all about, And then I have a surprise question for you today. Cool. Well, my name's Courtney, a.k.a. Courtney the Explorer. Um, I am a lesbian travel blogger, and my content right now is really focused on gayborhoods, gay villages, gaycations, and destinations that are extra LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, And my my mission is really to help queer folks travel and just live their best life yeah which you I feel like you're doing and you're just showing that to everyone and it it makes other people want to do that too which is amazing thank you yeah my question for you today which changed inspired by our chat before we got on the episode is what is one outfit from your childhood that you want to recreate in adulthood Oh, I know exactly. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking of an outfit specifically in fifth grade. So I, you know, in in fifth, I don't know. I don't think, I think I'm a bit older than you, but in fifth grade, limited two was like the coolest place ever. Yes, it was. And these like really, really bright outfits. Mm -hmm. So I, and I, as a young person, I was, like, fixated on, like, I would wear the same outfit every day. Like, I, I think that's a kid thing, right? Maybe a neurodivergent kid thing. You just, like, like an outfit and you want to wear it every day. I, well, I was doing my... the same thing, so I don't know. But kids made fun of me for not washing my clothes as much as they did, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Maybe they did for me, too, and I just blacked it out. <laughs> but I wore two outfits, actually. But one that I'm thinking of was, like, hot pink out like full like full monochromatic moment hot pink shirt hot pink jeans and like and flared pink jeans hot pink jeans and now and I also had the same thing but they were orange like really bright orange jeans Mm -hmm. and a and a matching top and I really want to wear those I just bought actually Target selling these like Lizzie McGuire platform orange uh, sandals, what? and I bought them. <laughs> what? I immediately yeah. have to go look these up after this. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I don't know. I'm five ten, so I'm probably about six five when I wear them. But like, I just want to embrace that. Yeah. Great self that was wearing like hot pink, and hot orange, and platform. I don't think I was wearing platforms, but now 31-year-old me wants to wear platforms with it. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to see you in this outfit. (laughs) It it sounds incredible. And I don't know. I was actually on a podcast yesterday where we were talking about, like, 
clothing, and it was, like, with two queer people, too, and, um, I was telling them that, like, when I went through this time in my life where I'm, like, I'm a boy, I'm only wearing, like, air quote boy clothes, and I was telling you I was wearing the orange and the camo, I would specifically only want to wear these black platform sandals, so was that, like, a thing? Mm -hmm. I think I got them from Limited, too. (laughs) Like, Probably platforms are definitely in. Yeah, I like that like gender queer moment. You were like, <laughs> boy on top. Yeah, twink on the bottom. Yes, it was amazing. <laughs> well, maybe I'll have to check out those platform Lizzie McGuire sandals too. Oh, that's amazing. I so, I want to know because we're gonna talk about gender and queerness and sexuality in today's podcast, and we're also gonna talk about travel. And I just want to know, like, what in your... Was there anything in your childhood that kind of pushed you towards, like, travel that sparked your interest in travel? And also in your childhood, what messages were you receiving about, like, being queer or being gay? Yeah, so I, my family was definitely, like, the typical American family. We took, like, a lot of, like, road trips um, in typical, like, Midwest family we went to um the same vacation every year we went to door county and like wisconsin dells it was like very (laughs) stereotypical midwestern family vacations i feel but also my dad is like i feel like i get my like restless energy and like can't sit still energy for my dad because he like planned he planned vacations every single year we went to like Disney World, New York City, we went to Boston, we went to, I just went to so many different states, like not so much, we couldn't really afford like international travel or anything like Mm -hmm. anything too fancy, but we always took a lot of road trips. And I look back at my childhood and that was like a really like happy times, I think when we were traveling and I really liked I was a very like curious kid. My mom always like brings up how I wouldn't stop asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's like still me. I, my like, best friends make fun of me because I ask like, if I meet a new person, they're like prepared to be interviewed by Courtney <laughs> because I just am curious. Um, and I wanna like genuinely ask you 50 million questions about your life. Yeah. Um, but as far as like little queer me, I I look back, like, I came out, like, late in life, and I look back at my childhood, and I see, like, this queer child mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, like, experimented with clothing and was, like, dressed more like tomboy and was into sports, and then I had my, you know, limited two moments. Um <laughs> But I, it, I, there was no representation in the 90s mm-hmm. besides, like, Ellen DeGeneres. And mm-hmm. I, looking back, I had crushes on my friends, and it was very clear that I was a queer kid. And if I had, you know, nothing against my parents, but if I had parents that maybe could have seen that in me and really just, like, affirmed that part of me, and also if I could have had, you know more queer representation like in my personal life and the media I think yeah that would have been really cool yeah so I guess because I feel the same way like 
there's things I can look back and see now where I'm like, oh, that's a queer child. But in the moment, yeah. it's really hard to see when you don't even know what that is. Like, yeah. yeah, there's no representation. No one is, like, nurturing that. Yeah, do you see more representation now in the media of queer people than you did when you were a kid? And if so, how do you think that will change the lives of young people? Yes, there was zero representation as far as I was concerned as a child. And the only person I really saw in the media was that reflects like my identity is Ellen DeGeneres. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that, you know, I can't be lesbian because I, I don't look like Ellen DeGeneres. And then to look back and like hear how her show was like rejected and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I think people you know, probably in the back of my mind, I, or I, I saw folks coming out, but there was so much backlash and everything. So I'm sure that had like some effect on me as a child, but I like almost cried when I heard, saw uh, Jojo Siwa come out Mm -hmm. because, um, and it's, it's really exciting to see Fletcher like raise rise to fame and like all of the different like even the L word come out and now there's just like so much like expansion and what it looks like to be lesbian Mm -hmm. and there's femme representation non-binary representation um and of course like mask and butch representation and also different like personalities it's like and not only that, but, like, queer people just thriving. Mm-hmm. And seeing, like, Rosie O'Donnell on TikTok and just seeing her, like, like elder lesbians, like, thriving in their career and, like, in love just has so much, like, positive impact on my life. Yeah. And really, really inspires me to, to share my story as well and live... Um, I guess, um, I don't know, posts about my life on the internet and hopes that to kind of pass that, pass that on. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many queer kids who don't have like queer representation immediately in their lives, but they have the internet. So if they can come across your profile or someone else's and actually see that, I imagine that's life changing as a young person who doesn't have to go back kind of like we have to like do the work to come back to ourselves like they're there and hopefully they can stay in it yeah i hope so well yeah thank you for sharing about that i love the (laughs) well i love all the connections the shared experiences and i love the limited two era i really (laughs) (laughs) i really love that and like the bright colors like the orange and the hot pink all of that yes i want to it sounds like you're going back to the hot pink. I'm going to try to go back to the bright orange, and I'm bringing yes. in camo. Camo's coming yes. back. Queer country is coming out. <laughs> that feels on brand for you, for sure. Yeah, I see, right? like, a yeah, camo-branded shirt, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's coming. <laughs> uh, so I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you about, you know, when you were older teenager and adult when did travel come back into the picture for you when were you like I'm going out backpacking and you know you have that backpacking experience that many of us travelers have had that changes your life 
Yeah, so I feel like my story starts, like, where a lot of folks start is um, studying abroad Mm. in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I felt this, like, pull towards studying abroad my senior year. And so in in a a last-minute effort, I uh, did study abroad, like, a summer session Mm -hmm. um, my senior year. And I went to Brazil, and um, I always, like, thought that school was dumb (laughs) and, like, (laughs) unnecessary, but I was just like, you know what, I'll just do it. Yeah. And uh, I I did enjoy a lot of parts of school, but uh, a lot of part of me was this, like, restless, like, wild woman that just wanted you know I'm an Aries too so I just didn't want to do anything that was like if someone was like you're supposed to do something I was just like why you know it goes back to me asking questions as a child I'm like why why would I want to work a nine to five and then retire when I'm 80 like that just doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to me and I just refuse so I had that attitude going into it but I still you know did everything that I was quote-unquote supposed to in college you know I did the internships and you know, all the student organizations and, you know, I did really well with grades and everything. But so I went to go study abroad and um, I, I know I've told you this before and I've told this story on my Instagram 50 million times. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> strap up because we're hearing the story again. Um, <laughs> we're here for it. <laughs> so uh, during my study abroad era, uh, we were given like a spring break or um yeah like a week off during the spring during the study abroad to go off and take a trip wherever we wanted to so I decided to take my first solo trip to Rio de Janeiro which is at the time was the quote-unquote most dangerous city in the world Mm. and I uh booked my first hostel I did not even know what a hostel was at the time but (laughs) I knew that I didn't have enough money for a hotel and And my friends were telling me that this hostel was like $5 a night. So, yeah, I booked a hostel for $7 a night. And I met, like, solo female backpackers Mm -hmm. at this hostel. And my whole life changed. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, you know, it literally takes one person. This is why, like, representation is so important. Because I was able to see a different path. And I just needed that one person or two people to be like, this is possible. And I went with my intuition and I called my parents and I said, mom, dad, I am, you know, finishing my degree, but then I'm going to uh, backpack the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's like coming out, but coming out as a traveler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going to retire now. Like, what? You know, you can, like, why wouldn't we? It's like, you know, when I heard about couch surfing and hitchhiking, like, it was over. Yeah. It was over. You don't have to spend any money. Like, and I just knew that I needed to, like, clear this path, mm-hmm. like, for, you know, I didn't think I wanted kids at the time, but just, I don't know. It was just, it was just like, I need to do this and I need to. I just had, like came into it with a vengeance, you know? Yeah. I love that you yeah. said, like, I'm retiring now. <laughs> yeah. Like, before it even yeah. starts. It's, like, retirement, it's, 
60 whatever five is such a scam it is such a scam scam. because some people don't even make it to 65 and they've waited their whole life to go exactly adventure and leave these rich experiences and they never make it which is so sad Uh, yeah a huge part of my story was in college i had uh a a close friend die of a heroin overdose and Mm -hmm. i was just like i think that too i just saw how a 21 year old could just pass and I, I was just like yeah tomorrow's not promised and I just yeah that was a huge part of my part of my story as well for sure my or my inspiration yeah just knowing that like you got to get out there now instead of yeah living. yeah could lose your life to cancer addiction anything yeah yeah you never know yeah, uh, were there any, because I know we talked about this when we attempted the first recording, and so just for some cool street cred, some fun things to say, were there any, like, I don't want to say large feats, because it makes it sound like a bucket list, but were there any highlighted trips for you in your mind? Like, I remember you and I talking about how you were, like, hitchhiking all around Mexico. Um, yeah. Were there things like that? Just a couple things that you can tell listeners just to like spark that thing in their brain. That's like, this is possible. Yeah. So I hitchhiked from Guatemala. So this like North Guatemala and the Southern tip of Mexico, Chiapas, mm-hmm. all the way up to uh, Mexico city. Um, you know, as a 23 year old, which is amazing. And that, that was incredible and it it made me gosh I don't even know how to put it into words but I just like people were just like so kind and again you know in the states you think that the most dangerous thing is hitchhiking Mm -hmm. and so it's again like all these narratives you're like what is true like, what is actually true? Like, why? Why did you tell me that, like, hitchhiking is not okay? But then I meet all of these Europeans where hitchhiking is, like, something that's, you know, socially acceptable. Yeah. And so doing that in Mexico, it was, I gained a lot of confidence in myself. And I think I, my inner my inner meter and like trusting myself just strengthened as well, you know, Mm. which is so, it's so crucial. I think as like a solo traveler, like your, your intuition and your trusting yourself gets stronger. I don't know how to put that into words, but yeah, that's true. You you start, you, when you feel those feelings, you're like, Oh, I should acknowledge that and lean into it instead of just being like, Oh, I'm just making this up. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Wow, that's that's amazing. One, because it shows that you don't need a ton of money to do it, which obviously yeah. I love talking about. And two, yeah. it's just like encouraging to other solo female travelers. And it breaks down stigmas because, yeah. yeah, there are so many stigmas. And I feel like when I haven't traveled for a little bit, they start to build back up in my head. And then I have conversations yeah. like this and I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. it's possible. Amazing. Um, also recently I hiked the Camino de Santiago, which is a highlight of my whole entire life. Whoa, wait, what? Wait, how did I miss this? <laughs> wait, what? Um, I hiked, I did the Portugal, Portugal route. So it's, it was only 
12 days. Okay. But it was, like, the coolest thing. Again, like, testing my body, and Mm -hmm. it was just after, like, coming out. So I was just, like, to unplug and really just be in natural beauty and, like, walking. I don't know. It was just, like, so significant, and I highly recommend everyone do it once in your life. You know, I feel like I've heard so much about it over the last few years, and it it keeps coming up. Now, did you do this yourself, and is it something Mm -hmm. that people can do on a budget? I did it myself, and yes, I met people on the trail that came with no money. (laughs) Yes. And were just, like, camping and uh, eating their own food. You can do it uh, cheap. I didn't, I did kind of like middle of the road. I did like the hostels are called um, albergues. So I stayed in those. And then, but I definitely, like you walk all day. You're walking 20 miles a day. I was like, I need like a five course meal. Yeah. <laughs> a glass of wine. So I, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of money on the trail, but. It was a celebration of of how far I've come, mm-hmm. and it was really just like a moment for me. So I didn't I didn't try to budget. Yeah, no that that's amazing, and I feel like we need to invest in those trips. Yeah. Which brings me to the next thing I was going to ask you about, like coming out. And I've heard you say multiple times, like I came out later in life. What does yeah. that mean for you? What was that like? Like when did this whole world of queerness and being gay and all of this come into the picture for you yeah so on the internet I I have shared my coming out story a million times and I always kind of started off with when I was 29 years old I had dated men mostly men Mm -hmm. and cis men um for 29 years, I was just getting out of a four-year relationship, wow. and I was teaching in South Korea and writing in my journal over and over, like, I think I'm gay, and it was one of those moments, because South Korea, you couldn't be out as a teacher, and in Chicago, I had kind of a queer community without really knowing it, like, I had queer friends, and I could go, um, I was out as bisexual, like, in Chicago, so I still had that, even though I was dating a cis man, Mm -hmm. but in South Korea, like, you couldn't be out, and I couldn't really talk about it, and one of my closest friends was um, this Christian girl that told me I couldn't talk, like, that it was fine, but I couldn't talk about that side of myself, so it's, like, all of these things, like, it was just piling up, and then the pandemic hit, and it's, like, you're stuck in I was stuck in a studio apartment with my boyfriend at the time and I was just like this is not right and I can no longer like busy my way out of it mm-hmm. you know I can't I and I think that for a lot of people the pandemic you're like I can't busy my way out of my you know deepest <laughs> thoughts anymore yeah. it's just like I'm a flaming lesbian and I need to come out and I need to I can't, I can't run from this anymore. Yeah. But I was just going to say, like, I told you I was out as bisexual. And the first time I really realized that I wasn't straight was in college. I took this human sexuality class and I learned about the Kinsey scale. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know what the Kinsey scale is, um, it's like a, it's, I think, one through seven maybe Mm -hmm. one through eight I'm not sure 
four is bisexual, either one or eight is straight or gay. And so it was just this idea that, you know, you could be somewhere in, in between, like you, there was gray area. Mm-hmm. And so it, and we had to write papers for this class and we had to write what number we thought we were. And so I was just like, oh shit, like <laughs> I'm not straight. And here's all of these like queer experiences that, you know, when you have to sit and think about it, you're like, oh, actually, you know, I've been making out with my friends and <laughs> yes, <laughs> and having these like intense, like quote unquote girl crushes. Yeah. Queer erasure right there. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, well. I must be bisexual because, you know, my compulsive heterosexuality was telling me that I, you know, there wouldn't be a world where I wasn't attracted to men because that's what we're taught from day one. And I think that's why a lot of it takes so long for queer folks, lesbians to come out and a lot of lesbians come out late in life because we're just like, like this narrative is just like pushed down our throats of, princess and disney and prince charming and no life without a man (laughs) yeah it's like yeah so that's that was kind of long-winded but no that's what we want that's what we're here for (laughs) (laughs) it's perfect what did you so what did you learn during this period of like realizing these things and coming out that you can kind of turn into advice for people who might be in that place now well, what really helped me was reading the Lesbian Master Doc. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of this infamous thing within the scene that <laughs> if you're questioning whether you're a lesbian, like ten times, like nine times out of ten, a queer person is going to be like, "Have you read the Lesbian Master Doc?" Yes, <laughs> yes, literally. And uh, it's this lengthy document that just a lot of it's like, you know. I, th- I think that really ha- what helped me was the language that, like, you don't have to have it all figured out. What if you just took liking cis men off the table mm-hmm. for a second and just, like, went with that? And I was like, all right, let me, instead of, like, worrying whether I have this, like, 1% attraction <laughs> to men, yeah. you know, I'm just going to, like, put the lesbian hat on and, like, feel what that feels like and Mm. and so I did that and um that was really helpful so I would say like yeah I would I would read the the master doc and take the pressure off yourself you know wear the lesbian label if that feels right um yeah and I got I was just about to say it's okay if you're wrong but like I got so mad at people I feel like that was people's responses like just don't worry about labels just you know just wait it out or whatever like all this wishy-washy and I'm like no like this is really affirming this label feels so affirming to me right now and like let me let me have it yeah don't tell me you know don't put all this wishy-washy stupid shit in my face like just let me be a lesbian (laughs) right right labels can be so affirming and like protective it was really hard like having coming out and then like a lot of my friends identify as straight and 
it, it was hard because it's like, all right, I've made out with you guys. Like, <laughs> and I still hang out with my straight friends and I'm like, this is so gay. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> It's okay. Great women are so queer. It's so weird. Um, and I'm like, no wonder why I thought I was straight. Like, you guys are just like on each other's laps, making out, like saying, like one of my straight friends was like, you know, yeah, if things don't work without out with my boyfriend, like I would totally date a girl. But I'm, I'm like, what? like that like, is not straight. But okay, like, what? Yeah. I remember, like, I wrote this blog post when I was with my ex-boyfriend and um, about how I didn't really... So, at the time, I was uh, non-monogamous, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you know, like, my real roommates are women. <laughs> and I just had no idea at the time. So, now I'm monogamous with my partner. Yeah. <laughs> and that feels a lot better for you, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I love queerness, and I feel like I love queerness because you can really just, like, morph, it It lets you break the rules, beginning, you're breaking rules by being queer, you're, so it just lets you, like, form partnerships the way that feel right, and it might not be, like, quote unquote like socially acceptable so there's a, like a lot of non-monogamy and polyamory within the queer scene which I think feel like is so cool and I'm glad that I got to like experience that but uh, yeah now I'm monogamous yeah which is another thing too I feel like there's people feel pressure when they're trying to figure out like should I come out if I do what does that mean does that mean I have to be polyamorous does that mean I have to do this and it's like no that's the beauty that's the freedom you literally make up what you want like choose your own adventure (laughs) yeah yeah like one of uh the travel lesbian travel bloggers I love just got hitched and they were like yeah we didn't get engaged we just like got we just eloped um yeah and I was like I was like that's genius like you know, you, you don't have to get engaged and get an engagement ring. You don't. It's, like, yeah. all these, like, really simple things or, like, traditional things that, like, I don't think that we ever question. And, like, I love the queer community because I feel like they're, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know? I think there's a lot of more, like, deviance. Yeah. It, yeah. Which, which is, I mean, beautiful. Which, that's the thing. It's, like, if, if you're not sure or you're in that stage where, like, I might go look at the lesbian master talk that Courtney's talking about. It's like, try to put all the rules to the side for a second. And what would you do? And who would you love? And yeah. who would you be if there weren't those rules? And try to try to feel into that a bit. Because I feel like that's where people can find more clarity. Yeah, totally. So I want to know how, after you came out, this affected your travels, if it did at all. And I'd love yeah. to hear about some of your favorite queer-friendly, gay-friendly destinations that you've been to. Yeah. So after coming out, I was just like, let me move to the gayest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> so I flew um, to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, mm. which is, yeah, one of the gayest places in Mexico, and if not in the world. Mm. They have, like, a thriving neighborhood. It's one of the most popular destinations for like vacations um there's tons of like gay hotels and resorts and everything 
So I went to live there for four months. Oh, wow. Um, and I met, like, people like me and formed, like, a queer community and went to my first, like, lesbian pool party. And it was just life. It was life changing. I'm like, oh, my God, a party without cis men. <laughs> <laughs> yes just like queer women non-binary people like I was just like oh my god this is like just so affirming yeah I don't know it was it was safe I just I was like okay so then after that I took a trip to Egypt was which was like the complete opposite like literally yeah. you're a place where it's illegal to be gay yeah and I I was there for a month and then after and you know, I was able to be out with, like, friends and stuff, and, mm -hmm. but, and I feel like my straight friends there kept saying, like, things like, you know, queer people here get to be, you know, out in their, with their friends, and it's just, um, you know, they live a normal life and everything, mm -hmm. and I was just like, where are the gayborhoods? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, where are the pride parades? Like, I need queer... I need queer visible joy and queer celebration yeah. and I need drag performances. I need, you know, just people, I need to see people living like 100% in their joy and authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so I think that pull on the other way, just like in Korea where I was pulled the other way, it makes me want to like fully plunge into the opposite. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for those moments because they really just, pull the curtain into like what I really want or what I'm really or like the next I don't know anyways yeah so after that I was like I'm gonna go to um Barcelona Madrid and in Portugal and I went to and stayed in um the neighborhoods there and again I was like in Port in Puerto Vallarta I was reintroduced with this like queer joy and you know I was like, these places are so cool. And it's so yeah. cool, like, as a baby gay and a late in life, or to just, like, be in a neighborhood and you're like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just so, it's just so cool to see, like, couples holding hands and mm -hmm. just, like, even just, like, pride flags everywhere. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just not enough to, like, be able to be out or comfortable with your friends you need that like yeah. you're able to live a joyful life in yeah. every aspect of your life when you go to the grocery store when you're out at a bar when you're at the movies like yeah. whatever I think that's something that like just really straight cis people don't get is that they get to yeah. have that in some ways in every part of their life you know yeah. I mean there's different yeah. privileges and situations that stop joy of course but yeah. it's it's another layer when you're queer and and you're in different countries and it's like not yeah it's punishable by law or by death it's like a it's a yeah. whole different ball game yeah so after I had that trip I decided to have a home base and move back to Chicago mm. and um, I met my partner and then we moved to Chicago's neighborhood and I decided to have like kind of dive deeper into the history of neighborhoods and 
I, I decided that I wanted to, and I took a trip to this place called Saugatuck, Michigan, which is super, super gay, small resort town yeah. in Michigan, a red state. And I was just like, there's a gay resort. Again, just so much representation, queer couples, rainbow crosswalks, like queer, every store owner, like <laughs> super gay yeah. I was just like this is <laughs> this is heaven and um so I was just like I want to visit all of the gayborhoods in the whole mm. world yeah <laughs> and so yeah that was kind of like my new mission and I started talking about uh gayborhoods more on TikTok mm. and every single gayborhood TikTok I made it went viral and I was just oh. like oh wait a minute like this is and people were like, I had no idea like Saga Talk Michigan was a thing. And these are like queer folks in queer young folks in the Midwest. Yeah. It's like, all right, like we need to, I think like old gays, old queer folks like know that, you know, Cherry Grove exists and, and P-Town and all of these, you know, Key West and all of these like places exist. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's a, a bit of a gap like as a baby gay I had no idea yeah like the the cool gayborhoods and safe havens within the U.S. so I was just like let me talk about this let me like explore and so that's kind of where that uh passion and project I guess you could say started which is so cool because like yeah like you're saying people just don't know they exist so now you're a resource mm -hmm. where people can go on <laughs> and be like oh my god this exists and it's a state over or it's in my state or I want to go here for my next vacation yeah. which is like so cool and so inspiring and I'm sure people listening are like but Courtney how did you find these places in the first place so can you tell us a little bit about how when you're planning a trip um or you're deciding where you want to go next, you find these places, you find the neighborhoods and the queer communities to visit. So, um, where I found like all of the neighborhoods is actually my TikTok community. Mm. So I posted about this mission of visiting all the neighborhoods. or no, sorry. I posted this, this TikTok about how I was obsessed with neighborhoods and people started commenting like their favorite neighborhoods and mm. queer cities and started telling me where I should go next. And, um, and then I made a TikTok about, I don't know, neighborhoods in the U.S. And again, hundreds of comments telling me like all of the best places in the U.S. So I made this resource on my blog and it's called a hundred plus neighborhoods, gaycations, and extra LGBTQ plus um, cities and small towns in the U.S. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and um, I created this bucket list because I'm like a, a bucket list type of person. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, I need like a bucket, I need like to a bucket list where I can put stickers and every single uh, place that I go to. So I, I re I've relied a lot on my TikTok community who's like really excited about neighborhoods as much as I am and then also obviously just googling and researching and um I I really couldn't find like a really long list yeah and so I was like okay I gotta create this so which yeah which is like when you don't see it you gotta do it so I will totally right. link to that in the show notes so if people want to check Thank that you. out and if they have anything to add they can find you on social media and yeah. like share yeah. with you their favorite 
Wow. I'm so excited for this project of yours to visit all of them. <laughs> like, in the world or in the U.S. I know you're... If you don't do it, at least I feel like you will do as much as, like, humanly possible. Yeah, we're going to start with the U.S. I get a little excited. I'm like, let's take over the fucking world. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I said as much as humanly possible. Because if someone can do it, it's you. But uh, I imagine there's, like, super small ones tucked away in some country that, I don't know, maybe it would be hard to find. Um, That's beautiful. So the next set of questions that I had for you is, you know, has to do with being queer and traveling. And I've uh, partnered up with Rhino for this episode and a couple more that are coming to ask how your unique identities have have changed travel for you. So the first question is literally that how has your own unique identities that you have being queer, being gay impacted your travel experience for better or worse, like has you've already talked about what it's kind of like, but has it made yeah some things in your brain you're like oh this is worse now or oh this is better now when I travel. Yeah, so I've definitely had to start. So when I was traveling by myself, like it really, I really didn't have to think about things. But traveling with my partner, obviously we're like visible, visibly queer. Yeah. And so I have to Google, like, is this place LGBTQ plus friendly, mm-hmm. which is something that uh, is different for sure. So just taking into account, like, safety wise, like, what are the laws mm-hmm. and taking it a step further? Like, what what are people queer people saying? Like, is it actually queer friendly? Um, but I think the bonus is going to a destination it's like okay I always look for where are queer owned businesses where are the lesbian bars and queer bars where are you know are there any queer events so it's kind of like this new I don't know something that my my lesbian therapist told me like as I was coming out was that you know she really um pushed me to to lean on the queer community Mm -hmm. and that you know we're a family and we will take care of each other so I I really like feel like that's a a bonus of traveling you get to go to a destination and then they like really lean on like queer people Mm -hmm. to talk it's like an, an automatic in yeah that I really didn't experience before I was out which is really special I think like going to Egypt um this uh queer person reached out who wasn't out and we met for coffee Mm -hmm. and he told me what it was like to be queer in Egypt and it was incredibly like special and he said that I was the first lesbian he's ever met oh wow um that's an experience like I will remember for the rest of my life just like meeting him and that that conversation was just very impactful and um and so I I just think those those type of interactions and like the the queer pool party in Puerto Vallarta like it's just this I don't know this connection you're like a part of a club yeah yeah it's like a whole new world (laughs) within a new country yeah wow yeah thank you for sharing that because there's 
yeah, that side of it where you have to be more aware, but there's also the beautiful side where it's like automatic in people that are like minded, this like special yeah. connection that other people will just not really get to experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing that. My second question is what would you like to share with other travelers who are also queer or gay? Um, when it comes to what you've learned over the years about travel, like say there are some queer folks that are listening to this and they want to travel and they want to go to say other countries, like you were talking about like Egypt, but they are just so scared. Are there any tips that you can share with them to, uh, encourage them to get out there and still have these travel experiences? Yeah. Um, queer people are everywhere. So I definitely, I don't, I wouldn't say like only, it's, it's all up to you, but I would, I personally am choosing not to only go to LGBT friendly uh, spots in the country. I think it's, it's incredibly eye-opening and really cool to go to destinations like Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are queer people there and there's actually a, a gay travel group tour that goes to Egypt Mm. um so queer people are definitely I mean go wherever you're comfortable but just know that there are queer people there and there are other queer travelers and we're going everywhere yeah um regardless and but such an important reminder (laughs) yeah And would you, I don't know, because I haven't done group tours, but that also could be something for someone to take notes on. Like, if you're scared to go somewhere by yourself, um, Mm -hmm. try to see if there's, like, a queer group tour that is going or a gay one that you can join in with so you don't feel alone. (laughs) Definitely. Nowadays, there's just so many uh, travel creators who are doing group trips, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of uh, queer... Uh, travel creators who are hosting uh, trips. Yes. So, so like the wa- wonderful lives. Yes. And I think there are, yeah, there are a couple others. There are quite a few that I uh, see pop up. And also there's groups and pages like, um, uh, like queer van life pages that you can follow. Um, so the internet is so helpful to find those groups and then, you know, travel with other people if that's, if that's something that helps you. Um, and my last question for you is how can the people who don't share that same identity with you be an ally and support your experience in travel spaces? What can your straight friends do when they're traveling with you to, yeah, support you? (laughs) Uh, go to gay bars with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure what, what people can do, I guess, when they're traveling with me, but I would, I've started working with a lot of destinations mm-hmm. and, um, as a creator, I think that there's a lot of room for improvement mm-hmm. that destinations can do, um, to welcome queer travelers like simple things like having resources on your website a lot of destinations like Puerto Rico do really really well and there's so many resources um, 
and roundups and they're highlighting, you know, queer owned businesses Mm -hmm. and things to do for queer families, queer solo travelers, queer couples, like, you know, and taking it a step further, like in your marketing, is there trans representation? Is there, you know, is, are, are there people of different body types, Mm -hmm. you know, or are you just highlighting, you know, two skinny white uh, gay men, Yeah, you know, is there, so I think that there's always like room for improvement for destinations. And I think that when you see yourself in marketing materials, for me, it makes such a difference. Yeah. You're like, all right, like this place is trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but some destinations, you there is nothing LGBT on their website whatsoever. Yeah. And which is, which is disappointing. And I think even a step further, I've had some really terrible experiences with destinations and with brands I've had amazing experiences like I just worked with Grand Rapids who let me create freely and literally just like let me soar and create what I love to create and what I'm good at and um and I think that when you let creators do that like posts go viral and they do really well and but going back to destinations that haven't um been that great to work with is um really uh limiting queer voices Mm -hmm. and I think just being an ally in in general is to not police queer voices or silence queer voices and be supportive and um I don't know it's yeah I think I think a lot of straight folks are like oh be safe and like don't hold hands or you know don't don't be so gay like they're just like want to shrink you down because Mm -hmm. that's kind of hetero culture is to shrink women yeah and to shrink folks and so I would just advise to not shrink (laughs) your queer phones your queer friends like we we want to thrive and we want to be visible and that will really um, empower the community and strengthen the community when we are living in our full selves. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, so important. I'm so glad you brought up not only like friends and just general um, ways you can support each other, but also businesses and brands because so is this like is this. I'm wondering if this is accurate because you work with different brands. So if they reach out to you and they want to work with you, obviously they are interested in either having more representation or they're queer themselves and they're just like, yes, we love you. But if they reach out to you and they want to work with you and then they try to limit your voice, do you think it's just something that they're doing for marketing just to like say, hey, we know gay people? (laughs) Yeah, it's like they want the gold star. Yeah. Which is not they're not, they're not doing the work. And that's, it's um, incredibly harmful. Yeah. So how do yeah. you, which took me perfectly into my next question, is that, you know, you have had some negative experiences with brands. And I'm sure just with people in your life. 
And how, I mean, you have so much online and so many things that have gone viral. So I know you've had so many comments to read through. How do you deal with the negative feedback or just, I'm sure you just get like hate sometimes, I'm assuming. How do you like process and deal with that? Yeah, something I wish I could have told my like younger self is um, you can block people online (laughs) in your life. (laughs) Like, you don't have to uh, entertain friendships or online relationships that don't feel 100% good. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've had to, like, learn later in life is, so, you know, I have recently gone through some, like, friend breakups, and, and I've just started, like, blocking people more, and even if it's, like, slight, you know, there's different, there's, like, a a sliding scale of what homophobia is like you can use either like the f word or you can like say things that are kind of backhand handed homophobic comments like either way yeah i i recommend blocking all of those um but i also recommend um i sometimes i just stop reading comments Mm -hmm. like if something's going really viral um a lot Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. So I just stop reading comments. Yeah, which is a good reminder and permission slip for people because I feel like sometimes we think we owe random strangers on the internet our time and attention Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. do not. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. you literally don't have to read what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It is hard to get all, like especially like death threats I was like what is going on oh my gosh yeah it's crazy but um it's it's really ammo for me to uh be louder yeah yeah and also just I think recently I've stopped sharing I think when I first I started my blog eight years ago and I used to just share everything yeah and now I, I, I do share a lot, but I keep a lot of things uh, personal and sacred now more than ever. Yeah, which is another thing that I feel like I've felt more over the years. Um, like yeah. I've never shared like this is what my inside of my house looks like or this is something about my partner and I because my partner's super private. Like having those spaces that are still you don't have yeah. to share with anyone unless you mm-hmm. want to. And, and that's yeah. fine, too. Uh, so thank you for sharing those tips with people because it's such a weird age of like being on the internet (laughs) yeah and hearing people that in your usual life you probably wouldn't spend time with yeah on one hand I know like like me and my partner are thinking about having a kid so now it's Mm. helpful to see see other queer couples and what families look like, how different family dynamics, how queer families show up online that are influencers. Like I just found this account that they show their family, but the kid's face is always turned around Mm -hmm. and they don't show the child's face. And so it's, it's good to see like the representation and also like the boundaries that families who want to show representation and be a helpful resource for other queer families, but how they kind of like navigate those things. Yeah. Which is, 
I think so important to keep part of you intact that feels yeah. like not everything is shared with all these people. Um, very sure. cool. If you have any like favorite accounts that you think people must follow, we can obviously yours, but we can link to them, um, in the show notes so that if people want to maybe check that account out that you just mentioned that they can do that. And oh my goodness, this has been such a great interview. I'm so excited. This one worked out. Like, thank you for sharing so much of your story and your heart, your beautiful heart with everyone. Cause I think no matter where people are on their journey, they can either relate or take like some wisdom with them from what you've shared. And my last question for you is, what is one message that you want to give to your younger self, like right now, that you could give to your younger self that maybe your younger self needs to hear or like is still trying to like take in? And because I think that will help other people too. Yeah, I'm like getting choked up. Yeah, I know. I was getting (laughs) choked up when I said (laughs) I was getting choked up when I asked you that. Um, I just want to say, like, it all works out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, like, I'm, you're in such a healthy relationship, and you're loved for your, like, full self, and you're, um, you get to do, like, what you want for a living, and um, it all, it all works out. It all works out. Wow, that's like, yeah, if your younger self knew what your life was going to be like, wow, I just wonder how she'd feel, how they'd feel being like, <laughs> this is my future. She'd, be, she'd probably be like, I fucking told you so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like, never get rid of those hot pink pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it, you know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us in significance, we have to do it ourselves. A lot of people are doing things in their life that they're not completely happy with. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it just because, you know, it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society. Definitely. Or they're just, you know, stuck in this rut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ruts can be comfortable for people. And they can be very comfortable. Comfort is not how you, how you grow as a person. <laughs>